Hey, uh, so I wanted to start off today with a story not about the coronavirus. I'm sure you're sick of scrolling through all your uh, social media feeds and everything, and, and so I'd like to give you a break from that. And this is about a vacation I took two years ago. Now, I say that to say that, man, wouldn't it be nice that we could all take a vacation? I'm sure a lot of us had to skip vacations that we had planned. I know that that we did. We, it would just be great to, to, to leave here and just escape all of this, right? But I'm going to take you back two, two years ago. Uh, we went to Reno. We took a road trip to Reno to visit some family members to go see Lake Tahoe. And uh, on the way there, uh, in the middle of nowhere, we broke down uh, two miles outside of this town called Battle Mountain. I don't know if you've ever heard of that town, but it's basically there's nothing there. It was July 4th, and so all the services were shut down, and so we're on the side of the highway, and me and my family, the car, uh, the, the oil ran out, and so the motor seized up, and so we had to get all of our luggage, and we, uh, a highway patrol circled around, gave us a ride after he checked all of our information to see if we were good. He gave us a ride into town, but there was nowhere to go because everything was closed except for the park, and so... We take all of our luggage, all of our belongings, and put it in, the, in this park, and they're having a little get-together because it's July 4th, and so everybody in the town's there, which is like 10 or 20 people or something, and it was interesting because there were like these young hoodlums, if you could call them that. I, 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 it's fun to call kids hoodlums because I used to be called one. Now I get to do it. So, um, But they were circling around our stuff. They were circling around our, our luggage. And I know they were thinking, they were, like, they were like, what do they have in there? And they were wanting to steal it, I believe. And so I was like, what am I going to have to do to protect my family? And, and I'm thinking, we need to be rescued out of this. And so uh, luckily, thankfully, uh, my wife's parents came and they drove eight hours round trip to go get, they were already in Reno, they came and got us and they brought us safely to our destination, safely to uh, the destination that we intended on going. And, and there was a lot of hard times during that. We, we thought, man, what, should we have even came on this trip? We're very prayerful about all the trips that we take, and, <clears throat> but we learned a lot along the way. And so today... We are going to look at a story in the Bible where I believe is similar, where, where the road gets rough, there's a storm, there's some waves, and, 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 and Jesus sent him out on this, this, this uh, body of water in the Sea of Galilee, but he delivers them safely through it. And I'm just going to tell you right now that we can't choose the storms in our lives. We can't choose the, when they happen or when they end, but we can choose to respond to God in faith, and we can look to Jesus, who is the rescuing God of the Bible, and that's what we're going to do today. And so our story today is going to be how Jesus walks on water. This is a famous story. It's in John chapter 6. So if you've been following along with us in our miracle series, uh, we're now in our fifth miracle that John records in John chapter 6, starting in verse 16. Um, but this is, this is a famous story. Uh, maybe you haven't heard of it, but most people have. And it's not just some like story where Jesus decides to show off to his friends, hey, look, I can walk on water. Like I would probably do that. If I could walk on water, I'd be walking through pools and all kinds of different things showing up. But Jesus does this for a reason, and it's mostly to save his, his, his disciples out of a scary storm that they were caught in. And so today I want to ask you this question. Are you facing a storm right now? And I'm going to answer for you. 
The answer is yes. Most of us are facing a storm somewhat through this whole coronavirus thing, right? And then an earthquake, and who, who knows what's going to happen next. But the one thing that bothers me about all the media and everything talking nonstop about coronavirus and all of us obsessed with talking about it is that it kind of overshadows all the other issues that have already been going on. People are struggling. People have marriage issues, financial issues, relationship issues, even health issues that are not linked to the coronavirus, and we can't forget about those. But I also understand that we're all going through somewhat of a, a crisis of faith, maybe. Maybe you have fear, doubt, anxiety, and, and sometimes we wonder through all of these storms in life, or this one in particular, is God really in control? Because if God was in control, uh, why would he allow this to keep going on, right? Why does he allow us to go through such scary situations in our lives? Well, I believe that as I learned through that, that crazy trip through Reno, uh, we can learn through this story today that God can be counted on, he can be trusted, and he wants to rescue us. Yes, sometimes he allows us to go through hard times, but on the other side, he proves that he is trustworthy and faithful. And, and so I want to get into this. Before we get into John chapter 6, I did want to just say that uh, as a water miracle, uh, God uses water all over in the Bible as a part of his miracles, as a part of his signs, and, and Jesus is just doing exactly what God would do because he is God. I mean, there are water mir miracles all over in the Old Testament. And so we're going to look at one of those. But my first point is that uh, when Jesus walked on water, he proved again that he's the God who rescues. And the reason why I say that, the reason why I say Again, he proved again, right? Because we can recount so many stories where God uses water. And one of them, one famous story is when God parted the Red Sea in the Old Testament so that the Israelites could escape the Egyptians. Part of the background of that story is uh, the, the Israelites were stuck in slavery for 430 years. And near the end of that time, God comes to Moses in the wilderness. He's on the run because he had uh, murdered someone early in his life, murdered an Egyptian. He's on the run out in the wilderness as a shepherd. He'd been out there for 40 years, and God shows up in this burning bush, and he says, hey, I see, I see the pain of my people. I see their suffering. I want to deliver them, and I'm going to use you to do it. Here's the story in Exodus. It says, then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them. And so God uses Moses. He uses Moses to rescue his people. He's talking to him out of this burning bush, and he's saying, I'm going to use you. And so what happens is... Um, Later on in the story, God sends 10 plagues to try to get Pharaoh to finally give up. And after the 10th one, he's just had too much. And so finally, Pharaoh, Pharaoh says, get these guys out of here. Get them out of my, my country. Get them out of my town. And so they're leaving all the Israelites pack up, probably hundreds of thousands of people. They're starting to head through the wilderness to escape uh, Pharaoh and Egypt. And then finally, Pharaoh changes his mind and uh, decides, I want them back. So he starts chasing after them. And the, the bad part about this is that the Israelites are backed up against the Red Sea. They have nowhere to go, right? 
Kind of like in our situation, sometimes we don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know what our future holds. And sometimes it can seem a little bit grim if we continue to obsess over it. I'm sure these guys were sitting up against the back of the sea saying, we're doomed, we're done. And God shows up and he says, Moses, hold your staff up and hold your hand over the water. And God raises the water up on two sides. And there's a dry path going through the water and they escape through that. Because God is a rescuing God, and he proves it in that story. And, and these guys, they, they needed to remember that. And they would sing songs of remembrance to remember. I mean, this is quoted uh, over and over. This story is so famous because it proves how God is a rescuing God, and he is faithful to take care of his people. But they would sing songs to remember, right? Have you ever... I, I am really good at multiplying uh, the number seven because of a, a song we learned in math class on seven. Now, I can't multiply any other numbers, but the, the number seven was such a catchy song that I remember it, a, at least up to 12. After that, it stopped. But, 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 right, songs are good to help you remember things, right? And the Psalms in the Bible were to help us to remember God's goodness. And it, the Israelites would sing to remember, but man, don't we forget? It, don't we easily forget how good God is in our lives? All the things that he's delivered us through, uh, man, we, that's why we have these songs that we sing in worship, to remember how good God is. He's a way maker, he's a promise keeper. But here's, here's this, a song that would, they sang that kind of went with this story. Psalm 77, 19 your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. So they would sing about this to remember. Do you have a story in your life that you guys can remember that God came through in a major way? A miracle story maybe that is passed around your family? I want you to think of that. Think about that right now and, and share that after. If you're with a group of people, you're in a home church or you're going to talk about this with someone later, talk about Try to remember what has God done in my life. I know in my own life, a lot of you guys probably have heard that I help lead the addiction recovery ministry at Alpine, and, and uh, God has delivered me from addiction from my teenage and early 20 years. I had a severe uh, addiction problem, and God came through in a major way, and, and we choose not to forget that. I tried to get out of uh, uh, helping people in recovery. The first couple of years I was in it, I was like, ah, I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to be a normal person. And, uh, but God wouldn't, wouldn't let me forget. And he showed me that he allowed me to go through so many things in my life so that I could help other people. And I'm sure he's done the same in your life. But the point is, when we hit storms in our life, rough and shaky times in our lives, we can trust that God can and will rescue us when he chooses to do so. He has the power to control the wind and the waves as we're going to see. He sees our struggles. He has the power to act. And another thing is that God is never surprised when these storms break out. Do you really think that God didn't see this thing coming with us, right? Just as Tracy was saying earlier, God's not surprised by this. And he, he's got a plan through this. He's working something out through this. And, and this story that we're about to get into in John chapter 6, verse 16, uh, the context of it is it comes off of the heels of what we talked about last week. Jesus fed the 5,000. 
just did this amazing miracle, amazing miracle. There was probably 20,000 with women and children, but uh, they're all tired from this ministry that they had done. And Jesus says, I'm going to go up and pray. You guys go across the sea. And here is where we're going to jump into the story. So read it with me. John chapter 6, verse 16. That evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell, and Jesus hadn't hadn't come back yet, they got into the boat and headed across the lake toward Capernaum. Soon a gale swept down upon them, and the sea grew very rough. Okay, so there's the story. They're going across the sea, and, and the sea starts, to, a storm happens, and, and, and we're going to look at some other, other uh, gospels. There's actually uh, two other gospels, so two other books of the New Testament that share this same story, eyewitness accounts of Jesus. Uh, they share this same story in a different way, but in, in Mark's gospel, it says Jesus actually told them to go across. We didn't really actually see that in these verses, but it says Jesus told them to go across. And so think about that for a moment. Jesus is God, so therefore he knows everything. Omniscient is the word. And so do you think that Jesus was sending them across uh, knowing that this was going to happen? Yes, you do. Do you think that God was trying to do something in this? Was he trying to teach them something? I mean, what was he trying to do? That's the question. It wasn't, it wasn't just something that came up and God was like, oh, I got to step in. Something needed to happen through all of this. So in this situation, do you think God is doing something Do you think uh, he's doing this for a reason or he's allowing this to to go on for as long as it is for a reason? Or maybe there's something in your life other than the storm that we're currently in. Maybe there's something in your life where, where you feel like God led you into it, but it's not going perfectly. I mean, Jesus said it was never gonna be easy, right? Following Jesus isn't a storm-free guarantee. He actually told us that there was going to be trouble. Later on in John 16, he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, he says. He tells us that. He says, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Now, this isn't the the prosperity gospel of health and wealth that we all want to hear, right, or that people preach on on TV. But this is the truth. Jesus says this life's going to be hard and there's going to be things that come up. I mean, you've seen it even in your own life as a Christian, right? You still got to pay your bills. Your car still breaks down on the way to Reno. I mean, you still, still might get sick. Family members lose their jobs. They either make us work too much or they lay us off. I mean, I mean, there's, there's trouble in this life, and we can't escape it. Even in church, right, you guys that are serving on serving teams, you're in small groups, uh, you've seen that things don't always run smoothly, right? Sometimes something happens with the tech, or even relationships break down, and, and people get offended, or the church gets vandalized, or, or Jesus said, make disciples, but he never said it was going to be easy. Maybe you're having a hard time with, you know, Keep catching up with all this technology so, so that you can meet with somebody online. Maybe you can't uh, 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 help a person who's going through an issue that you, you're not quite sure how to deal with yet. And so you're asking, why, God? Why are you leading me into something that is, that is not easy? Because he 
He told us that's how it was going to be. And oftentimes, when we're going through this and we question God, our faith starts to dwindle, right? And we start to question, is he, does he even care? Is he paying attention? Is he paying attention? Can he see what I'm going through? And we're like, you know, I guess I just got to deal with it myself because God's busy. I got to come up with my own plan, my own strategy. God's doing something else. He's not paying attention. But look at this. As we look at the story further in, in Mark chapter 6, it says, he saw that they were in serious trouble. There's the two first words. He saw. So he sees, right? He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. And there's the miracle right there. Jesus comes to them, walking on the water, on top of the wind, on top of the waves. He sees them struggling. But the interesting thing is, is that he sees them from miles out and he chooses to walk, right? My wife thinks I walk slow, you know, like I, I kind of do. You know, it's like the gym thing. When you go slow, you, you walk around like this. And my wife's always telling me, you got to hurry up. Walk faster. We're in a hurry. And I'm like, this is how I normally walk, you know? And you're thinking... You're thinking, why wouldn't Jesus run across the water, right? And so it says that it was 3 o'clock in the morning, and so we don't know exactly how much time he took, but he took his time to get there. And it says that he was observing them. And, and, and so what do you think he was watching? Was he watching to see how they would react? Was he watching to see what they would do? Was he hoping that their faith was going to be different this time? Because actually there's a story in, in, in three of the Gospels before this actually happens chronologically. They had already went across the Sea of Galilee and there was a storm. But this time Jesus was with them in a boat and, and the waves come up and Jesus was asleep and they're, they're freaked out. They think they're going to drown and, and Jesus calms the winds and the waves then. And so now he's sending them alone, but not really alone because he's, he's watching from afar. And, and maybe he's sitting there thinking, how are they going to react? Is their faith growing? Have they grown from the last? Have they grown from just seeing me feed five or 20,000 people? Have they grown? Where is their faith at? And that's my question for you. How about you? Is your faith growing? Can you look back on all the things that God has already brought you through? And can you say that you trust him more? You can trust him more through storms like his disciples. Are you reading more? Are you praying more? Are you, do you find yourself wanting to be more about God's work and his mission and, and making disciples? Has your faith grown? I believe that the, that's what Jesus is wanting to see in his people and it's, wanting, it's what he's wanting to see in us as well. He's, he's watching. He's not unaware. I have to believe that he's, he's trying to see how they're going to react when trouble comes. And he knows that in rough times, that's when we grow. It's, it's during friction when we grow. Like, again, I'm a gym guy, so at the gym, when you're lifting weights, it's, that, it's not the comfortable reps that help you grow. It's the 10th, 11th, 12th, the pain that causes the muscle to finally grow. And Jesus knows that unused muscles are going to grow flabby. And so, so with that, on a side note, guys, if you have any weight sitting around your house, if you got a bench press or something, please send them my way. Drop them off at Brigham City Alpine Church. I've been working out at my house, and I just don't have enough weights. You guys don't want to see me grow all weak and flabby, do you? Anyway. But my point, my point is that Jesus is paying attention. He's watching us grow. He's, he's watching us through all of this. 
He might not be acting right at the moment, but in his time, in his will, he is going to act. Just like in the Red Sea, it took 430 years. Uh, there's another story just after that. He, he parted a river in the Jordan River when they had finally fi- found the promised land. After 40 years of wandering, he parted that. He, he, maybe it took him four hours to get onto the lake or the Sea of Galilee to calm this storm. Jesus is not surprised by our storms. God wants to use all of this. He's watching us to see how we're going to react and hoping that our faith is growing. And I hope that you feel your faith growing through all of this, that you use this as a way to react in faith, to respond in courage and not fear. He wants to grow our faith and trust in him. And when he sees fit, he's going to reveal himself as our rescuer. And by walking on the water like he did, he proves again, like we've been looking at in these miracles, that he is God, that he has the power to do as he pleases, especially with creation. And we're going to see in my last point how the disciples choose to react and choose to respond. We'll see that they first react in fear, but then later they have peace. And so for us, it's so important how we choose to respond in this storm. Will we have fear or will we have peace in all of this? Our personal response makes all the difference in the world between peace and fear. And so my last point is this. The name of Jesus brings peace or dread depending on your perspective. So in the story, it says that they were terrified when they saw Jesus walking up. And in Matthew's account, it says that they thought they saw a ghost. And so maybe they thought their life was going to get even harder. They're in this storm now, and now all of a sudden a ghost appears. Like, what next? Just like us last week, right? We're, we're in the coronavirus, and then now we got this earthquake, right? We, so we're, 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 we're right in the boat with these guys. I hope you feel that way. But then something happens. Jesus speaks. He says, I am here. Don't be afraid. Or he says, it is I, don't be afraid. And that very phrase that he used in the original language is the phrase that, that he calls himself God when he says, I, I am the I am. I am God. I am Yahweh. Uh, if you remember back in our Exodus story when, the, when, when God came to Moses in the burning bush, Moses says, okay, I'm going to go save these guys or whatever, but who am I supposed to say sent me? What is your name? God reveals his name. It says, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Okay, so, so Jesus right here, they, maybe they heard that. Maybe when he said, it is I or I am here, they thought, and they saw him walking on water, it proved that, oh man, this guy really is who he says he is. This guy really is God, and that word I am, it really means self-existent one, and, 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 and it's the, the name Yahweh, I guess it could be translated that way. And, and if you didn't know Jesus' name, uh, in Hebrew would be said Yahashua or Yeshua, which means Yahweh saves. And so Jesus, his very name is claiming that he is the Savior, he's the rescuer, sent from God who is God. And he goes on, to, and in the New Testament, he claims he's God in John 8, 58, where he tells them, before Abraham was born, I am. Now, 
It says that uh, they, they responded in fear, but then they, they, after they heard this, they had peace and they led him into the boat and they worshipped him, it says in Matthew's uh, depiction. But there's a, also a contrast story to this where there's some people who don't believe in him. In the Garden of Gethsemane, before he was going to be crucified, before he was to get arrested, some soldiers come to get him, to take him to court, and they ask, where, where's this Jesus? And he stands up and he says, I am he. And they fall back. It says they drew back in fear. And that's where the dread is. And that's where my point is, is, is how you respond to Jesus determines whether you have peace or dread. And if you don't trust him and or, or have a personal relationship with Jesus, it would be appropriate to respond in fear because where is your hope? But for us, for Christians, for the Alpiners that are tuned in today, we have this hope, this man who was God named Jesus who walks on the water, comes to deliver his people at the right time. So for you, how do you see Jesus in all of this? Do you see him as the rescuing God of the Bible? Well, we can suppress the truth or we can embrace it. And I, I want to share a few more scriptures as I close about how amazing this story really points us to who Jesus is really is. And there's a, there's a verse in the book of Job uh, in 9 verse 8. It says, he alone has spread out the heavens and marches on the waves of the sea. In a book that could possibly be one of the oldest books written in the Bible, could this be talking about Jesus walking on the water, a prophecy? Could the disciples have been thinking about this very verse when they saw this and it's all coming together? And for us, as we learn, as we listen, as we read, as we meet in our meetings with people, it starts coming together and we're discovering this truth. Are you discovering that he is the God who he says he is? Here's what Proverbs 34 says, who but God goes up to heaven and comes back down? Who holds the wind in his fist? Who wraps up the oceans in his cloak? Who has created the whole wired world? What is his name and his son's name? Tell me if you know. We know. We know his son's name. He's the great I am. He is Jesus. He's the one who parted the Red Sea. The one who walked on water. He's the one that we can, we can trust in his promise that he is going to deliver us. I, I can tell you this that I know for certain one day Jesus will come and get us from the storm and deliver us safely to the other side. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but I hope in my prayer, my prayer for all of us today is that we learn to trust in him more fully. Remember the work that he has already done. Believe that Jesus is the rescuing God of the Bible and let's worship him through this storm. Will you guys pray with me? Dear Lord Jesus, we come to you. We come to you in worship. We come to you in awe, knowing what you're capable of, knowing that you love us so much not to just leave us out in the middle of the waters in the storm, God, but you, you, at the right time, you have a purpose and a plan for all of this. And so we just, we just come to you and proclaim, yes, it's hard, and, and yes, we're struggling, and our faith sometimes is wavering, but God, through all of that, even in our imperfect faith, we believe that you are perfect and you are God and that you can deliver us from this. 
Father, we do pray for your mercy in all of this, in all of our friends and family and coworkers and everything that's going on in our community and our world. I pray that you would do your work. But most importantly, we pray that you would do your will in all of this. Do your will in our lives, in our hearts. Bring the people that you want to bring close to you, God. Let this message be spoken to people who don't know you or far from you or don't trust that Jesus is who he says he is, the rescuing God of the Bible. Let us leave here today with courage, with peace, and not with fear. But we praise you, Jesus, and we worship you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.